today, Rinpoche stressed the importance of generating the wisdom arisen from hearing, analysis, and meditation. Without that wisdom, one is not able to progress on the path. Just one sitting on meditation on emptiness will not harm the grasping at true establishment that we've had since beginningless time. Chiguna the Tepa Gunu Dang Donga Nila the Digsong. The name the Nitsampa the Yakshu. The Shesum Batar Tepa Gunu Dang Donga Nila Nang. The Tsikashi Nama. Hobarino. Nitsampa the Yakshu Gangan. Shesum. Okay, so we're actually going to start on page 215. We're going to go a little bit just before where it says the two facts, um, just so it's all conclude a kind of a together in one thought. So we're going to start there. Okay. Okay, so when we divide the Buddhist teachings uh, into v categories, we can divide them into three if we were to summarize them. Uh, the first uh, set of teachings are those teachings that lead to the higher realms of cyclic existence, and those are the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity. And those practices are going for refuge to the three jewels and engaging in ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities. The next division would be the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity or middling capacity. And these are for uh, beings who wish to achieve liberation. And those practices are the three highest higher trainings. In dependence upon those, they achieve their goals. Uh, the last or final division is the teachings for beings of great capacity, uh, and those practices are once one achieves the mind that aspires to enlightenment or bodhicitta, engaging in the practice of the six perfections. And those practices lead to complete Buddhahood. Uh, so these are the three categories we can summarize all of the Buddhist teachings into. Members, Chuba 
Okay, so when we look at uh, the text, it says the two facts that the, there are many dissimilarities in prescription and prohibitions between higher and lower vehicles and between uh, sutra and tantra and that these are all the practices of a single person are contradictory for those who are confused and lack the power of intelligence to seek the intended meaning of the innumerable scriptures, yet through wisdom and learn, uh, know, yet through wisdom the learned know that these are not mutually exclusive. Uh, so, when we look at the various vehicles, we can divide them into two. Uh, the um, the uh, great vehicle and the lesser vehicle it is called the lesser vehicle because of the scope is lesser, is a, is a smaller scope. Uh, so that's why we see the, um, the word that means uh, lesser or uh, smaller, um, however it, it can be translated a, a bunch of different ways. Um, so the reason for it is the scope is, is smaller, is lesser than the scope of the great vehicle. Um, and as the translators note, one wishes for liberation only for oneself, the other wishes to become a Buddha in order to free all sentient beings from their suffering. So the scope is bigger. So that's why it's great vehicle versus lesser vehicle, because the lesser vehicle is lesser of a scope. So then when we can divide the uh, great vehicle into categories, we find there are sutra and tantra teachings. Uh, so these are just yet more divisions of the teachings. And uh, there's a lot of um, misunderstanding that leads to people believing that there is a contradiction between these teachings. Um, and, and this was the reason uh, why uh, Atisha um, came, to, came to Tibet and uh, um, engaged in the work that he did. Because prior to him coming to Tibet, they literally would have separate houses for people practicing sutra and tantra. So they, would, uh, they wouldn't allow um, people practicing the different vehicles even in the same house because of this misunderstanding. Uh, so it says here that um, the learned know that these are not mutually exclusive. So Lord Atisha and the Buddha shows that all of these practices are for a single person to achieve enlightenment. So they are all for the purpose of a being, some being, to achieve ultimately enlightenment. Um, so uh, the learned know this and see them not as mutually exclusive. Um, so it's, uh, it says here that these are the practices of a single person. So one can practice all of these um, in a continuum and it 
they aren't mutually exclusive. They don't contradict each other. Um, they are they are a continuum of practices that one person could do, um, and and so this idea of the separation of houses was negated by Lord Atisha, um, because he it showed the Tibetans were confused about the meaning of the the Dharma in general um, by thinking that that separation was necessary and and that they saw some sort of contradiction. Rinpoche said the tantric practices are where you see the most confusion. Activities. Okay. <clears throat> so, what are the real differences between Sutra and Tantra if we were to say posit that which can define and differentiate these two vehicles? Uh, we would say that the um, four um, uh, what are they called? The, they're not the perfections. Uh, the tsikare, the jie, the the ne shingyu indicate seek the thing. Ne taba. Ne taba. In the jie mingare, the nyamdu. Dapa jie. Dapa jie. Dapa dapa. Indicate dapa. Dapa sena. Clean you clean tama. Purities. Okay, so I will say. I think the four purities. Rinpoche said that the word dapa means. Um, oh, okay, pure. Okay, dasa, natsa, dasa, dapa, chipa. Okay, so when you uh, say clean a cloth, um, um, that the cleaning uh, when once it's clean, uh, it would be the the what this word is. So I think it's purities or. Uh, I think that they translate it as purities usually. Um, so the difference between sutra and tantra can be shown by these four purities. I'm going to translate as because um, purify. Yeah, because when you when you dap a, a misdeed, you purify. Okay, so these four purities are as follows: the purity of abode, purity of body, purity of enjoyments, and purity of activities. Uh, so. Uh, beginning with the abode, uh, so if one was practicing the tantric of Tara, for instance, the tantra of Tara, for instance, uh, so the purity of abode would be that one would imagine that he or she is in the celestial palace 
and the celestial environment of Tara herself. One would abandon the ordinary appearances of the ordinary abode wherever you are and then imagine that the abode is the pure abode of Tara. Uh, so this is the first category. The second category is the purity of body. Uh, this is where we actually manifest as Tara herself. And we imagine that we are the real Tara herself. We imagine that we are her. Um, so this then is the second category of purity of body that we don't find in the sutra teaching. So first, purity of abode, that's the environment. Uh, second, purity of body, that's one's own body transformed into Tara. And then the, the third is purity of enjoyments. Um, any of the food or drink or any of the things that we use. For instance, the food and drink we imagine is actual nectar. Uh, so we imagine that it would be the food and drink that Tara would be drinking and eating. So uh, we imagine that these normal things that we see as normal usually are then transformed into these substances. Um, so this is the third category of, of differentiation, uh, which is the purity of enjoyment. So, and, and then as a note, any of the other things that you would use besides food and drink, um, even a car, anything, uh, if you were engaged in this meditation, would become an enjoyment. Anything in the environment that you use, eat, drink, um, you know, any of these things. Um, then the last category uh, is purity of activities. Um, so the activities would be, um, in the sutra teachings, we don't find this um, exchange of um, light rays that come from a seed syllable at the heart and then um, uh, go out to um, the various directions. Rimshade didn't specify. Go out to various directions and then come back um, and this is a um, uh, kind of a repetitive motion where the light rays um, are coming and then are retracting. So, um, so this is something that we don't find in the sutra teachings. And this is the actual practices of the um, um, giving off of the, those light rays. Just as a translator's note, when we do the initiation, we imagine that from the deity... Uh, from the, the self-generation to the front generation to the universe and the hooks that then bring back, this is something that is exclusive to the tantric teachings that we don't find. So this emission of this light and the retraction of it. Shiro没有做了,给我的是。Shiro进了,给我的是。刚才进了,给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的是。给我的
Okay, so <clears throat> when we divide truths into categories, um, we would divide them into two categories, the uh, ultimate and conventional truth. Um, so, trying to find okay so the presentations the, I'm going to read forward just because this is what Rinpoche is referencing there are limitless things that the unwise see as contradictory and the wise see as lacking contradiction the presentations of the two truths and the many prescriptions in one scripture that are prohibitions in others and vice versa um, so here the two truths are mentioned uh, so what is ultimate truth what is conventional truth? So conventional truth is anything that is not the emptiness of an, of an object. So an object's conventional truth, so we look at an object for instance, the conventional truth of the object is anything that's not its emptiness. So that's the conventional truth. The ultimate truth is its emptiness. It's lack of true establishment. So its ultimate truth is that it's empty of true establishment. Um, so, uh, so I think we're so Rinpoche then quoted um, the um, Madhyamika Avatara um, in the sixth chapter. Um, then the Lung Yanja Suranang. <coughs> okay, this is, there's so much in here in the sixth chapter. Um, um, okay, so I, it, I'm not going to be able to just pull it. I, I don't want to take up much more time because um, it's just a one stanza quote. But it just points out that the um, the the true nature of an object, um, its lack of true establishment, is its ultimate truth. So the emptiness of an object is its ultimate truth. Everything else of it, of it or about it is conventional. Um, so I'll see if, you know, throughout the session I can just kind of find this quote, um, but that's pretty much um, uh, what the meaning of it is. That is the meaning of it. I just... I'd rather have the exact quote, but okay, dig some room, Che. Yeah. 
So, for instance, um, we can see there's differences uh, in the, the sutra teachings. For in, killing is strictly forbidden. But in the tantric teachings, if one has some special abilities, so Rimchik stressed that, some special abilities or clairvoyance of some sort, then it's permitted. So there's a difference in the sutra and tantra there where um, the realization can supersede and sometimes the, uh, in the tantric vehicle. Deekson. Okay. All right. So the, the quote, by the way, is um, 
the way in which the teachings were bestowed should be discerned. The sutras that explain things other than the ultimate were taught contingently to lead upon the path, while those that speak of voidness should be understood as ultimate. Um, so that's the quote from the Madhyamika Avatara. I feel better now. Um, and now we move on uh, through here, uh, um, back to the text. Just make sure. I'm just going to re I know we read this, but I'm going to reread it. The two facts that there are many dissimilarities in prescriptions and prohibitions between higher and lower vehicles and between sutra and tantra, and that these are all practices of a single person, are contradictory for those who are confused and lack the power of intelligence to seek the intended meaning of innumerable scriptures. Yet, uh, through wisdom, the learned know that these are not mutually exclusive. There are limitless things that the unwise see as contradictory and the wise see as lacking contradiction. The presentations of the two truths and the many prescriptions in one scripture that are prohibitions in others and vice versa. To say that wisdom distinguishes the non-contradictory intended meaning behind them is the peerless praise of wisdom. In short, all good qualities come from wisdom. The Compendium of Perfection says, How wondrous that such excellent things come from wisdom. That is like a mother who loves her child. The ten powers of the Sukkata, most excellent of strengths, all superior activities without parallel, and all other collections of virtues in their entirety arise based on such wisdom as their cause. The arts and the best treasures in all worlds, the variety of sacred learned that I is like an eye, protections, awarenesses, mantras, and so on, the different, different attributes of the teachings that set these forth, the multitude of enumerations and the doors to liberation, all such types of service to the world that display the great power of conquerors' children, all arise from the power of wisdom. Uh, so, uh, Deegsung Rinpoche. Rinpoche didn't give it. Should have maybe, should have meant that you are, should have maybe named me lost, should have maybe named me lost, should have meant that. ชีสุนามิตอนเทวาจูวันเนี่ยสะดูบะเลมิลุมิเบมะบะชวาตะตุนาลามะชีตุนเชิญจูบะกะลันจูรุเชิญเชิญเมเมพาดุชิงอันเ
The faults of not having wisdom are as follows. Without wisdom, generosity and the other perfections are as if blind. The verse summary of the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines states, How could billions of blind people without a guide who do not know the way enter the city? Once these five perfections lack wisdom, they are blind. As they lack a guide, they cannot reach enlightenment. So if, if any among the five, such as generosity, ethics, uh, patience, uh, joyous perseverance, uh, and concentration lack wisdom, uh, they are like a blind person. They don't have uh, the suitable um, understanding in order to be perfected. So um, they need guidance in order to um, properly be perfected. Consequently, generosity and the other perfections do not become pure. You do not find the correct view. The compendium of perfection states, if those intent upon the final fruit are without wisdom, their generosity does not purify them. The Buddha said, giving for others' sake is supreme generosity. Other kinds of giving serve only to cre increase one's wealth. And also, ethical discipline does not become pure unless wisdom's light dispels the darkness. Ethical discipline without wisdom usually becomes sullied by afflictions through faulty understanding. If your mind is muddled by the fault of erring intelligence and have no interest in keeping the virtue of patience, you maintain a dislike for weighing merit and fault. 
and are like an unworthy king who becomes famous. For adepts, wisdom is lauded as foremost. Nothing else is as subtle or profound. Without wisdom, you do not head straight for the mental path that is unclouded by the defects of desire. Without maintaining joyous perseverance in wisdom's ways, your view will not become pure. Here the king who becomes famous refers to an unworthy king for whom fame occurs once but then declines. You do not repel the darkness of delusion, confusion, as long as the wisdom's great light does not shine. But when it does, you cast away the darkness. So you must make an effort to generate wisdom with whatever capacity and strength you have. The Compendium of Perfection says, Like the dawning of the sun's great light, the enormous power of the wisdom's light arises, and the concealing darkness in beings' minds is completely dispelled. Only its name is left behind. And also, therefore... With all the power at your disposal, work hard at the methods for producing such wisdom. Lujula ナ、ね、単字線上の名座バジル so the wisdom realizing emptiness uh, becomes in, uh, something that one must have indispensable uh, along the path. Um, therefore, with all the power at your disposal, work hard at the methods producing wisdom. Um, because there are two kinds of ignorance that keep us bound to suffering. The ignorance of uh, karma and its results and the ignorance of the nature of reality. Uh, so wisdom serves as an opponent to those. Wisdom is the only thing that will eradicate those ignorances that we have. Uh, so, um, and once those uh, ignorances are negated or are abandoned, uh, then what they cause becomes abandoned. Uh, so the other afflictions and the grasping and so forth become abandoned. So this is why wisdom is uh, in indispensable if one wishes to uh, become enlightened uh, because the two kinds of ignorance are what bind us to cyclic existence um, and 
it's only wisdom that gets rid of them. Uh, so, um, like the dawning, Rimche reread, the co Compendium of Perfection says, like the dawning of the sun's great light, the enormous power of wisdom's light arises, and the concealing uh, darkness in beings' minds is completely dispelled, only its name is left behind. Uh, so it's showing how the ignorance of those two kinds is completely dispelled, and all that's left over is that name. There's no ignorance left over. Diksong Rimche. So what are the causes of confusion? confusion? Nedanga Shoy Tayang, what are the causes of confusion? They are relying on bad friends, laziness, indolence, oversleeping, taking no pleasure in analysis and discernment, lack of interest in the vast variety of phenomena, the pride of thinking, I know, when you do not, the major wrong views in being discouraged and thinking, someone like me cannot do this, and thus not taking pleasure in relying upon the learned. The com Compendium of Perfection says, Laziness, indolence, and reliance upon bad friends, being governed by sleep, no feeling for discernment, no interest in the sage's most sublime wisdom, inquiring under the influence of false pride, lacking the faith to rely upon learned persons due to the attachment of 
self from uh, to self from feelings of inadequacy the great poison of false concepts which are wrong views these are the causes of confusion therefore as the compendium of perfection says serve and venerate a guru worthy of trust and study to achieve wisdom uh, so once you remache chern kabarkasa chu the data chu sele gonjo ki shiro yamba jun shiros Oh, okay. Less Once you rely on a learned person, you must study in accord with your capacity. For if you do not, you will not produce the wisdom that arises from study and the wisdom that arises from reflection. Uh, whereupon you will not know what to meditate upon. And if you do study, you will produce the wisdom that arises from reflection by thinking over the meaning of what you have studied and from this you will gain vast wisdom that arises from meditation ทุกเมนันกระสันตังกวาสันสันสายมาเรสเตยทุลาจันจาตะจุเลสเนทุจุงกิเชโรเตยบายนาเตยจุเชบาเลเนซานจุงตุยงกเรสซานจุงกิเ
So there is, in this wisdom, excuse me, arisen from hearing, Rimshe said that there is this, um, under, that it, is, it comes, Rimshe said, through the ear consciousness, but it is the mental consciousness that we're speaking of where this ar- arisal takes place. And there is an understanding of the words that were presented. So I said, does it, I asked Rinpoche the question, does the person have to understand what has been said? Or is it something they can then study later? And he said that there's an understanding of what has been said, um, but there isn't a valid cognition around it. There, um, and then you analyze it to get to the point of a valid cognition eventually at the a wisdom arisen from meditation. Um, so you would first hear it and understand what has been said and then analyze it um, and infer the understanding and then meditate. Uh, meditation is the actual realization of the direct perception. Rinpoche, the Gonjung Sherup, the Nusun Sema Chap? I was asking Rinpoche if it qualified, if it's a direct valid cognition. He said no. He said that if it's a wisdom arisen from meditation, there isn't necessarily a direct valid cognition because there's a wisdom arisen from meditation at the path of preparation where there hasn't been a direct perception of emptiness, but emptiness is the object of observation. And then I said, oh, so you mean it's necessarily inference because inference is valid cog- an inferential valid cognition. He said some are and some aren't, so I left it there. Uh, so I just want, I always want to translate what we were speaking of. So he said it's not always necessarily so that this wisdom that's arisen um, from meditation is uh, direct valid cognition. It can be inference also, and it can be, it looks like something. Gonjong Sherup, Jepog Mayemba, Nunsum Mayemba, Yurebe? Okay, so there is something that's neither inferential valid cognition nor direct valid cognition, but is wisdom arisen. There is a wisdom that is that um, arisen from meditation. There's a wisdom arisen from meditation that is neither inferential valid cognition nor direct valid cognition. Um, uh, so we'll just leave it there because I want to get back to where we were because I'm getting on a tangent here. Um, uh, but but that is uh, um, that's the way that one um, understands. It has a, an understanding through hearing and then um, an anal- analysis and then meditation is realization. Uh, so these are the, the stages of the understanding. Wisdom arisen from hearing, analysis, meditation. Um, then uh, little study is like blindness you do not know how to meditate so then we have a quote from Aryashura Aryashura was, is also known as Lopun Bao in uh, Tibetan he was previously a non-Buddhist uh, who then became a great Buddhist scholar little study is like blindness you do not know how to meditate without study that what could there be to reflect upon Therefore, therefore, from the cause of making an effort to study, you meditate in accord with the reflection and thereby gain vast wisdom. Okay, Lopum Bao Long Tsar. Less so. 
So the story is um, when we look at uh, Arya Shura's story, also known as Ashvagosha, Lopun Bao, Miti Dayan, uh, many names. Uh, so uh, this particular gentleman was uh, previously a non Buddhist. Uh, he and went to his mother and said, I'm the smartest person in all of the land. There's no one smarter than me. And she said to him, you are very smart, but you haven't been to Nalanda yet. Uh, and that, if you went to Nalanda and you were able to show that there's no one smarter than you there, then we could say you're the smartest person in the land or the world, uh, the pro proclamation was. So uh, he said, okay, I will. I'll go to Nalanda University. Uh, so he showed up at Nalanda and he said, this is a, a newer detail that uh, I'd forgotten that um, he said, if I am defeated in debate, I'll uh, turn into a Buddhist, I'll become Buddhist. But if I defeat you, then you all have to follow my, my Dharma. Um, so he made this big statement, so they basically made a bet. He said, if you know, my logic is the best, then um, we'll follow my Dharma, and if yours is the best, we'll follow your Dharma. So the monks were having a very difficult time debating him. He was very intelligent. They knew he was wrong, but he was a very skilled logician, and he was um, disproving a lot of the monks. So they became fearful because they knew that what he was teaching was wrong, and they just weren't smart enough to be able to challenge him. Uh, so they uh, wrote a letter to Nagarjuna. So it's, the story is told that this letter is carried by a protector deity that turns into a bird of some sort, a mystical bird carries this letter to Nagarjuna. Uh, Nagarjuna then sends his spiritual son, uh, the, he's called the spiritual son, so is Chandrakirti at times, but Aryadeva, one of his main students. Aryadeva goes and defeats um, Ash, Ashvagosha or Aryashura, and Aryashura then is locked in the library at the monastery at Nalanda Mon University. So then uh, Aryashura begins to read the books in the library, and um, I'm not sure if Rinpoche said it, but uh, sees a prophecy, then has a great amount about him actually this happening in a book that the, uh, the Buddha wrote. He became, had a great amount of faith, and then started to study all of the books very like with a lot of effort, and became one of the greatest uh, Buddhist scholars. Okay, Dixon. That's just a big chance. Less so. Cosmo number Toba Ta, 
are asserted to be cognitive obscurations, while the conceptualizations such as stinginess and the like are asserted to be afflictive obstructions. Solely, wisdom is the cause of their elimination, nothing else. So wisdom is supreme, study is its basis, so study is supreme. Shanti Deva's Compendium of Trainings in Verse says, Be forbearing and then study. Stay in a forest and then persevere at meditative equipoise. Then his auto-commentary, um, Shantideva wrote, With impatience you become disheartened and cannot forbear, so your perseverance at study, etc., declines. And without study you do not know the means for either meditative stabilization or for clearing away the afflictions. Therefore, without becoming disheartened, study. And the questions of the Narayana formula, uh, Just so, child of good lineage, if you study, wisdom will come. If you are possessed of wisdom, the afflictions will be stilled. Once you have no afflictions, demons do not have a chance with you. So, going back to the, the three spheres, I asked Rinpoche, um, the three spheres are, um, for instance, uh, the eye consciousness um, uh, and form, and then the apprehension of that form are the three spheres. So I said the first sphere is the eye consciousness, the second would be the form it apprehends, and then the actual apprehension of that is the third. Um, so the, um, the, uh, that, it says, while conceptualizations such as stinginess and the like are asserted as afflictive obstructions, uh, the obstructions to omniscience are the imprints of those. Um, so the, uh, the, the conceptualizations of the three spheres uh, are asserted to be cognitive obscurations, while conceptualizations such as stinginess and the like are asserted to be afflictive obstructions. Solely wisdom is the cause of their elimination, nothing else. So wisdom is supreme, study is its basis, so study is supreme. So, um, uh, I believe that's it. Ta Okay. So here, um, the reason it's set, it's written like this is that the when we look at the middle way schools, there's the middle way autonomy and the middle way consequence school. This is according to the Middle Way Autonomy School because the Middle Way Autonomy School believes that it is grasping that itself that is uh, obstructions to omniscience, um, the grasping at true establishment, um, whereas the Middle Way Consequence School believes that it is the, the uh, um, Umi Tenjur show, Denzin Pacha. So the um, Middle Way Consequence School believes that 
the grasping at true establishment is actually um, afflictive obstructions, and that the imprints of the grasping at true establishment are the obstructions to omniscience. So here it's saying that the conceptualizations of the three spheres, the, the grasping um, is the obstructions to omniscience. That's basically what it's saying. But Rimache is saying that's, this is according to the Middle Way Autonomy School, whereas the Middle Way Consequence School would state that that actually is the afflictive obstructions, this grasping, whereas the imprints of the grasping themselves are the obstructions to omniscience. Uh, so it's a detailed point, but it's important Rimache pointed out. Uh, Dixon Yabajushin, <laughs> だだ so again, uh, Shanti Deva's compendium of the trainings in verse Be forbearing and then study, stay in a forest, and then persevere at meditative equipose. His own auto-commentary on the Compendium of Training says, With impatience, you become disheartened and cannot forbear. So your perseverance at study, etc. declines, and without study, you do not know the means for either meditative stabilization or for clearing away the afflictions. Therefore, without becoming disheartened, study. And the, um, So here, uh, then, the questions of the Narayana formula... Just so, child of good lineage, if you study, wisdom will come. If you are possessed of wisdom, the afflictions will be stilled. Once you have no afflictions, demons do not have a chance with you. So wisdom annihilates the afflictions. So it's the antidote for the afflictions. So it's for that reason that one needs to gen, uh, cultivate it. Digsa. <laughs> Chiro Naji 
Okay, so scripture and yeah, that's where we are. Scripture and reasoning establish the following: those who wish to properly practice the teaching need a broad study of the stainless scriptures and their commentaries. The unexcelled cause that gives rise to the wisdom which thoroughly distinguishes phenomena, which is the sacred life force of the path. However, not achieving wisdom while thinking that a broad study is necessary to develop it, simply the fault of your not being convinced uh, that you need the analytical meditation of discerning wisdom when the time comes for practice, and of having the mistaken conviction that thinks that analytical meditation is not necessary. Therefore, those of you who want what is best for yourselves should eliminate such a mistaken conviction, as though getting rid of poison. Now, Jorwa Chenpo said, um, the great tantric yogi, Nejor is yogi, the great yogi says, uh, Jorwa, when it comes to accomplishing the state of omniscient enlightenment, whether you show off or conceal that you studied only a handbook, you cannot get anywhere with reading a yak's load of books. Pungchua says, placed, uh, he play, uh, Pungchua placed an opened sacred text beside his pillow and said, We must learn the text, so even though you do not get a chance to read them, make a wish to read them all. If someone said that you should practice the teaching without understanding it, how would you do it? Butawa said three times to a monk, Jingawa, who was escorting him a short distance. You are enjoying yourself too much. He then continued, You rely upon my teacher who is like the sky covering the earth. So do not salivate over other teachers. Since you do not have to read the root texts and their commentaries and mark their corresponding passages, you do not have a lot of work. You are happy because you do not think about cause and effect while you work at certain activities by means of certain tantric practices, and you can be satisfied with these many things? Shirawa said, uh, Until you become a Buddha, your studies are not finished. They are finished when you become a Buddha. Uh, Gamapa said, Some say when you practice the teachings, what need is there of knowledge? And they degenerate. This idea is a real danger for those of us who have studied little. Others say if you really try, you do not need knowledge. This is very dangerous. If you are making a big effort at the teaching, knowledge is required. And since it is not com completed in this brief lifetime, we must resolve, I will study continually through many lifetimes without interruption, 
uh, without interrupting the succession of lives having leisure and opportunity. Some think that meditators do not need to study, only those who explain the teachings do. And those who explain the teachings and do not study merely run the risk of sinning, while it is precisely the meditator who must study to avoid straying from the path. Disa. Tata Dhruva Lashiro. Druba la shero tejo, druba sheba la shero gores, shero jusheba la denen druba, chudru gores, tuba mena, muroa, muroa la naba chembo, near gutes, tuba mena, and then dru and a gonjong shero to gonya legeba de umares, lesser, tuba kishabres, good there, ten ya legituso, chegum gubala, ya legitus, chegum gubala. Gon Gumbatlachigons, what Sussunzimbi Sanjigitemba Twenty 
Thus, you must be convinced that wisdom and the study that causes it are indispensable for proper practice. Moreover, unless you reach certainty about the need for analytical meditation when you practice, you'll have a very hard time getting anywhere. Even some well-regarded scholars of the scriptural collections claim understand study to be either a mere preliminary to practice or to be a background support, like mountains at the back of a valley, but not the actual instructions. For this reason, uh, you need practice to quickly attain Buddhahood and study to benefit the Buddha's teaching. This is contradictory nonsense. There are just two kinds of teaching, teaching as scriptural and the teaching that has been put into practice. The former makes known the procedures for practice and the latter is assimilating the practice before you have understood the practice. Procedures. Therefore, doing the practice without error is the best way to uphold the teaching. Moreover, unerring upholding Moreover, unerringly upholding the teaching in the sense of practice depends upon unerring understanding of scriptural teaching. So we have scriptural doctrine and realizational doctrine. So the scriptural doctrine is the um, teaching as scripture, and then the realizational doctrine is the teaching that has been put into practice, it says here. Uh, so we divide the teachings into this way. Then uh, Rimache, the... Um, uh, Long Demba, Dopi Demba, then Longku Chuku Garshene Chiran de Lapson. That Long Demba done. Ah. Chiran Chuku Gitche Shesun. Chichene Yomari. Long Demba done. Long Demba done. Dopi Demba Nindua. Long Demba, Dopi Demba Nindua. Ah. Long Chuku done. Long Demba Chibakarius. Long Chuku. Okay, so that uh, when we look at, um, for instance, uh, scriptural and realizational doctrines, and we look at the turning of the wheel of Dharma, for instance. Um, the turning of the wheel, then Yanjasura Nangari Musun. Long Chuku in a long time by himself. Long time by in a long Chuku in Macho, Sashiro Chuji. That's good. Longi, scriptural. So if it is, so Rinpoche just uh, explained a way that we would look at it. Um, if it longi chuku, 
if it is a um, scriptural turning of the wheel of doc- doctrine, so if it's a scriptural turning of the wheel of doc, sangje kai and bichap, the the longi chukor yena sangje kai and bichap. Okay, so if it is a scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma, um, so Rinpoche is uh, um, com- so comparing the two topics, scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma and scriptural truth. Um, so Rinpoche is saying, uh, what are these? And there are three permutations if we were to compare them. If it is a scriptural... Um, turning of the wheel of Dharma, it is a scriptural truth, but if it is a scriptural truth, it isn't necessarily a scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma, because scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma is Buddhist speech, is, a, is, is speech. Uh, then, uh, uh, Lungi Demba, the Lungi Chukor Machap Show, uh, you could say the root uh, wisdom text, uh, we could say is a um, an example of something which is a lungi um, demba uh, scriptural truth, but is not a turning of the wheel um, because it's not a pronouncement of Lord Buddha, but it's a scriptural truth. Um, something which was would be both uh, nika yimba, the conjure. Uh, so you could say something which is both would be the heart sutra. The Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge is both a scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma and a scriptural truth. And something which is neither, you could come up with so many things that are neither one of those two. You always say rabbit with horns. Is, uh, um, so, when we say, okay, so why is um, the, the Heart Sutra is a uh, scriptural, um, da, uh, is a scriptural, Lungi um, Demba, uh, just give me one sec, is a scriptural, uh, the, the Heart Sutra is a scriptural turning of the wheel of Dharma, because it is Buddhist speech. Um, and you could say it the same for why is it a scriptural truth, because it's Buddhist speech. Um, so this is something which is both. It's called the Nika Yimba Mu, Nika Yimbi Mu. So when you compare, just as a translator's notes, when you compare any two objects in the, in the universe, um, existence, let's say, you can probably do non-existence too, but if you compare any two objects, when you look at their, the way that they relate to one another, they either are three possibilities, four possibilities, they contradict each other, which means neither one ever permeates the other, uh, or they're um, one meaning, synonymous. So that's what Rinpoche says, three permutations. Um, uh, it'd be way too much commentary for me to explain it, but you can look into it from there. Um, but that's what Rinpoche is talking about. Three permutations, four permutations. Is it contradictory or is it mutually inclusive? Is it synonymous? So that's when in debate courtyard they always take two topics and then they look at the relationship between these two topics. And that's, that's the format in which they do it. Um, so anyway, you can look it up. There's a lot of books about it. Um, 
Dixon Rimche, Triodon Lenja Dutsu. So if we say uh, realizational turning of the wheel and realizational truth, we would say Musum is also three possibilities or three permutations. So if it is a realizational um, turning of the wheel of Dharma, it is necessarily a realizational truth. But if it's a realizational truth, it's not necessarily a realizational turning of the wheel of Dharma. There's something which is both and there's something which is neither. So that makes it three possibilities. So now we have time for some questions, a couple questions. Two channel Rimache. Thanks. Shade of Sobodu. Thank you for teaching, Jeff. Thank you for translating. Um, in thinking of the three spheres and ultimate truth, does the wisdom that realizes emptiness and the direct acceptance of emptiness, um, sometimes if I've heard that people who have seen emptiness, does that perception take place in the eye consciousness or the mental consciousness? Mental, but the, the Doni Dopi Sherep, the I the Miki Sheba Yichi number Sheba guys mental consciousness. <coughs> so the seeing of emptiness, they say seeing, it's just the way of, of explaining it, but it's 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 occurs the mental consciousness becomes aware of the ultimate nature of an object. Rinpoche, my questions are I have two questions. The first one is when you talk about the um, obstructions to omniscience, okay. you describe them as being um, imprints Correct. of the uh, afflictions. Correct. Do you, do you mean to say that the, the, these imprints are karmic imprints, or are they different kinds of imprints? Uh, they are karmic imprints. They're imprints of our actions. The Shidri Pakcha, Le Pakcha? Shidri Pakcha, Le Pakcha? Lay pacha. Denzin pacha. So literally, it's the afflictions, the imprints of the afflictions. Um, I asked it specifically, and he just rooted back to that the uh, it's the imprints of the afflictions. Okay. Um, and then my other question is, um, with regards to how karma manifests in our lives, um, my question is, um, so my intuition is, is that my karma does not cause an ant in Ghana because I have no relationship to it. So it doesn't pertain to my experience. But at the same time, um, when I suffer something, it's because of my karma. So the way I, I'm currently understanding karma is that my karma is not necessarily what, I, what, what is caused in the world or that my karma is not causing what's, what's in the world, but it's, it, it's causing how I, how I suffer it if I do. Right, is that correct? Is that a correct perception? Oh, okay. So you want to know if that's if if um, your experience of the world is your karma, but not the world itself. Right. Is that the question? Yes, I would say that. The ngatsu the zambaling, the mechik, the zambaling tongudu, the nga nga the tanda nga the the kamba degudu the middle town nga yure the nga the mambotsanlodan. Um, uh, that's good. I, I, 
just one more time. Uh, oh, okay, I remember now. Um, so, so um, we can't say that uh, I, so so the outer world itself continues to go on without you. So I asked Rinpoche if the outer world is dependent on your having the karma. Is it there because you... Um, so collectively, you could say it at a subtle level. Everyone's collective karma creates an environment. But really what it does is it creates your experience within that environment. Because he said, if... Uh, you aren't here, this center still is. So I, I'm a, I, was, I was speaking strictly from my experience. I see this center, I see this world, and I was explaining it in that way. So that's why the question is being answered kind of in that way. Um, so if I'm out of the equation, or you're out of the equation, the center is still here, this house is still here. But what your karma does is it... Um, it, it uh, projects you into the potential to be in this house and, and then specifically be here with these people. And then you make observations on the qualities based on your karma. So, so I said, do the qualities, such as if I think this is a beautiful house, but somebody very wealthy comes in and says, this is a it's very small, it's not a very nice house, is that karma? So Rinpoche said, yes, that's the karma, the experience that you're having with the objects and the fact that you landed on those specific objects themselves. But the objects are still there if you're not. Is that clear? Yes, thank you. Okay, so my question was, um, so we have the truth body, the enjoyment body, and the emanation body. Okay. So I'm confused as to, are we all there at one time? Or are we like... You know I mean? The Buddha is. So he, he has three he has three bodies basically like at all. He time. or she, yeah. Yeah, right, he or she. The Sanjay, um Lonku Chuku Tuku. The Kon Lonku Day the Truku Yu the Chuku Yu Dutsu Chi. Yeah, all at the same time. The afflicted obstructions and demons, is that the same? Is that different? Is one a activates I'm gonna have to another? Get the, where is it in the text exactly? Um, on page 219. 219? There's a quote. Yeah. Um, questions of Narayana formula. It just says, once you have no afflictions, demons do not have a chance with you. And it just raised a question in me. Is okay. That, uh, give me one sec. Okay. I'm sure it's not... It could be. I mean, there are uh, demons are created by our afflictions. So hold on one second. Order fifty-seven. Order fifty-seven starts there. Okay, a little long. Nyomompa mepa 
la duki la menye. Yo mon pon sa sonda, yo mon pon sonda duk ne to ma. Du gare. Du shop. Hai pe du, yo mon pe du. Dan chedak du je ma de. Ale the four maras. It's speaking of the maras, afflictions, uh death. Yo mon pe du yo moro. So first is uh, uh, the maras are first would be uh, affliction mara of afflictions then eh you won't be do death the, the um uh death um is the second um the mara of death uh, the uh, aggregates are um the um, um Ag- I can't say the word cyclical. So the aggregates of cyclic existence, those those are the third Mara. Jipa? God's child. A deity's child. Child yeah. of a deity. Uh, yeah. um, so it's a it's a um Yeah. So the it's literally translates as the Mara of the deity's child. Then show child Shiva okay so it's just the name of it it's the God's children an example would be Shiva I said why I said well Shiva is a God's child so um, there you could look into it further but those are the four Maras and the Maras are what are being spoken of and afflictions would be within that um, but Mara of death Mara of afflictions um, Mara of this um, God's uh, child Um, and uh, the and the aggregates are the, the other one the aggregates the cyclical ag- <laughs> cyclical did I get it? cyclical uh-huh. aggregates um, are the third and then the fourth are the gods child of the gods um My question is, uh, firstly, thank you, Rinpoche. Thank you, Jeff. Rinpoche talked a lot about, stressed a lot about um, the importance of study to enhance wisdom. And talked about, um, my understanding, what I heard was um, the six perfections couldn't be called or com- completed as six perfections without wisdom correct so there's 16 emptinesses how detailed should the practice of wisdom be combined if you're trying to even meditate on one massive topic like generosity i don't even know which emptiness 
meaning okay the rimache the um the lapjagu then the tearing cheran the sherap shera ke chempo gechi shesun the lobjung shera ke chempo then kedi disegdu the tomba ni judru yure the the ngaman kon losun tomba ni judru the ewa mambo yure then the kon kon disegdu the the lobjung tambo nipa sumba jipa gari akshu gangin sene the tombani judru shade kali kapudu then e kon jimba the lobjung shegdu the jimba the tombani judru gari the jawa yure then gari pentogdu tsalo gari yure gangin sene the jimba dang tombani jawa yure yene tombani judru dang jimba tsalo dang the the yi ชุกดูเซนชุกดูอ่ะจิมบาซันตานาเนี่ยอบรอดจิมบาจิมบิลงชุจเนี่ยจิมบิเดบดลวะเตลงชุจชวาตุจิมบิเดบมาดิเบล
of the subject, the receiver, the object, the, uh, the giver and the receiver and the object. If you try to do that, meditate on that emptiness of that, that the facsimile of the emptiness of it, that is, that that makes it solid, gives it worth. Is it that's you're looking at it correctly then is that what it means like even if you try does that make that's it how you're supposed to rimache the the jimba dana then tanda the doni dopi sherap yomari yene ngat sanlodan nga demma madrupa the jimba demma madrupa kon demma madrupa sanlodana then yene danjar then yamlen yapudu yeah so that's you so this is the best way to practice is to um, uh, even though you don't have the wisdom realizing emptiness yet, to analyze each thing you participate in, such as generosity, and look at it as its emptiness of the action, agent, and object. So, yes. <laughs> so, uh, the meaning in the root wisdom text is what you're thinking of. What you're saying, the way you're saying to practice is what Nagarjuna says to do. Okay. Uh, one more question, Coleman. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so, um, um, so just wanted to, like, you know, understand this better, that um, emptiness burns away the afflictions because if you're meditating on emptiness constantly, you're not, I don't know, engaging in the afflictions anymore? No. Okay, so it's emptiness is the antidote. Yes. Okay. The the garshene tomba ni the nyomo nyepo. Tomba ni nyomo nyepo kanu rosena. Taba drum ayeba shebi lo teke drenzin lo nenu. Lesso. Shuna deba maru shebi lo teke denzin nenu. Lesso denzin korlo zawa. Okay. Um, because it is a grasping at true establishment that's the root of cyclic existence. It's the root of the afflictions. That grasping, it is the wisdom realizing its opposite that is its antidote. So when you walk into a room that's dim and you think there's a snake and it's really a rope, the only thing that will stop that misconception and that fear is to realize, oh, it's a rope, it's not a snake. And then everything that came around you thinking it is a snake goes away. Likewise, when you grasp at true establishment, your actions, your reactions, your thought process is all tainted by that grasping. So your afflictions arise from it. Everything wrong arises from it. So when you serve an antidote, you, which is the exact opposite, the fact that things are not truly established, there's nothing to grasp at that has that true establishment, then it gets rid of everything that comes after the thought that things truly are established. And that thought of things being truly established is the root of cyclic existence. So it is the root of all the afflictions. So you remove that, then it removes the afflictions. It removes cyclic existence. So that's why you meditate upon it, so that you come to the verifiable proof that things aren't truly established in your mind from a direct from, from the stance of direct valid cognition you keep thinking about it so you can eventually know it because right. so knowing it erases not knowing it okay. and it just takes time I'm assuming to obviously purify all those previous wrong views by 
Since beginningless time, we've grasped at things as being truly established. We've had this misconception that we're trying to stop that's always been there. So you have to first uh, hear the words of emptiness and understand what those words mean and then analyze them over and over and over again and then meditate on them to the point of a realization. And then that, it, just one, Rinpoche said, one sitting on meditating on emptiness doesn't harm that grasping very much. Uh, you need to do it over and over again so you really get rid of it. Concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. <clears throat> the fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Gyatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tuji Rimichi Guchapi Denrana.